Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we are going to talk about cannon fodder. But before we get into the game, uh, we have one more Christmas memory. You know, Christmas, the season is still among us. And we have a uh, uh, Christmas memory that's a little bit late, but uh, was it's Christmas and it's a, it's Christmas until after New Year, right? And so, um, Dreamcatcher sent in uh, his favorite Amiga Christmas memory, and uh, it is about the uh, Click Video magazine. Are you familiar with this? No, <laughs> I've not heard of that. So this is a '90s computer game magazine, uh, which was delivered in VHS format. <laughs> really? Yeah. What, in what in, in in the UK or? Yeah. This, so this way, I, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure this was in the UK. All right. Um, and uh, his memory says, uh, kids would scoff at how ridiculous the idea is now, but this was way before anyone had even dreamt YouTube would ever become a reality. I was on my way to my uncle's mansion in the country with my brother and parents for the annual Christmas visit when we stopped off at the motorway service station. I was grumpy because I knew it was going to be a tedious affair and I'd be gameless all night because the trusty Amiga 500 wouldn't fit in my pocket. <laughs> I spotted this new gaming fix on the news agent shelves and it saved the day. I even got to watch it on the big telly in the living room, something which would have never happened at home. True, uh, looking back, it's truly awful viewing, but my expectations <laughs> were rock bottom in those primitive pre-internet days, and this featured moving Amiga games in a magazine, well, of sorts, with no computer in sight. My tiny mind short-circuited. And, you know, I was thinking, whenever I would see video games, you know, on TV in any context, I would automatically go berserk, you know, as a young lad. Yeah. Um, Nintendo used to send out these uh, VHS copies of things to people that subscribe to Nintendo Power, and I used to watch those over and over again. So he was right. Expectations were lower in those pre-internet days. I, I, I think it's neat to have a video magazine. That probably would have been awesome. I know I used to see... I mentioned this before, but when I, I first saw Dragon's Lair, it was on like Entertainment Tonight. It was, a, and they did a thing on Zaxxon on there one time. I was like, "Oh, look at that video games are on the TV. You know, <laughs> they must be important." So yeah, I can dig it. And, and a monthly magazine like that'd be cool. I, I'd, I'd like to have had something like that. Yeah, of course you've got you've got the ultimate in VHS gaming. You've got an Action Max, don't you? I do. <laughs> I do have the ult. It's the only video game system that's real video. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, yeah. All that aside, it's don't buy an action max. Spread <laughs> that way. <laughs> um, well, that's the you know it's been a pretty quiet news week here in um, in Amiga Land. Uh, I don't have anything else to report uh, other than I did spend a large part of my day yesterday um, setting up a um, 
a new emulation solution uh, with the help of a link that Aaron shared with me. Uh, I think the name of the site is The Cake is a Lie Gaming. And uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, but that was a real really I won't say easy because emulation on the Amiga is never easy. But it was a step by step guide on how to set up a good emulation solution with WHD load and all that stuff. And so uh, that reminds me that's news right there. WHD load is now you don't have to register it anymore. No more nag screens. So if anyone's using this on their actual factual Amiga. It's a glorious day. And now, did, I, I noticed that when I loaded it up yesterday, but d- did you read any kind of a press release or anything? Why? I, I've not. Um, I read, I've read people talking about it. I know it's it's something that's here, apparently here to stay. Now, they're still taking donations. Um, what? If anything, I ever deserve donations. That you, If you use this, you should probably donate to them because mm-hmm. it's an outstanding uh, it's a lifesaver for the Amiga community. And even if you don't use an Amiga, an actual Amiga, it's baked into a lot of stuff now, emulation-wise, and, and like the Xbox is going to use and some other stuff. So this is something that's outstanding. But for them to do that was a, a remarkable Christmas gift. The uh, I use it every time I load something. And, and, and I sit through the next screen every time because I'm one of these guys that's late to the date, and I'm going to pay him eventually but I, honestly I'm gonna see these guys a couple bucks and I thought that what they did was um it was gutsy I don't I hope this doesn't mean the program that, that the uh the program is ending or the work on it uh because they are perpetually upgrading and it's it's not just there's a there's a committee of people working on this thing tirelessly working on getting stuff to work under it uh so this is big news again if you're if you're if you have an Amiga uh, if you have a like a like a compact flash card um and you're not using this, for God's sakes, look it up <laughs> because it's great. And if you are using it, give these guys a couple bucks. Uh, show them that uh, their gesture uh, is appreciated. Uh, speaking of real Amigas, um, you have some new news on that front, don't you? Yes, I finally, oh, folks, I had to break down and buy a, 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 the 520 video adapter for Amiga 500. I've had, had waiting for both. I just have not. Had much luck repairing my uh, my Amiga monitor, and so I thought, well, let's just get the ball rolling on this thing. So, uh, at some point in the, in the very near future, uh, we're going to uh, hook this thing up with the 520 with my wacky PC converted power supply. The uh, it's going to be wacky. We're hoping it all works, and uh, Boat will not have to use his emulators anymore. He'll he'll be off the Schneid. He can have a proper Amiga and a crate of discs that I provided him a couple months back. <laughs> so uh, look forward to a video of that, and it's going to be a glorious day. Um, and the last little bit of news I have is that uh, after a couple people requested our presence there or asked if we had an account, the Amigos are now on Twitter. Oh, So uh, you can follow us at Amigos Podcast. Uh, the first, our first tweet was a picture of my 1200 XL over there. I saw that, and um, we, uh, but you know, soon it's going to be going into <laughs> into storage, and uh, and it will make way for the 500. Um, what's the timetable on that? You think we're going to be able to get that get that going? I mean, now that you've got the monitor, it's all it's all I've got it all ready to go. It's so all okay. So it's untested. All right. So that's the best kind of videos. <laughs> so so well, let, let me just to recap, folks. We've got a 500 
that my cat knocked off the top of a bookcase and did a up and over and the cover broke. We've got a power supply uh, from an old, old, incredibly old AT computer that hasn't been tested for years. I brought a backup one that hasn't also been tested for years <laughs> and also needs the wires re-spliced. We have the five untested Amiga 520 that I bought off eBay from a fellow. Uh, all this put together in one nice package. I don't know how much RAM the 500's got and I don't know what kickstart uh, version is on it. I think it's 3.0, but it could be 3.1. Uh, hey, it'll be interesting. Hopefully it'll all work. If it all works, everything comes on, then we can work our way up from there. So step one, make sure nothing explodes. So, but we'll, we'll definitely shoot a video for this. This should be our greatest adventure ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and you can always uh, find our YouTube channel if you don't already know about it. It is uh, youtube.com slash amigos podcast. We throw everything up there. Yeah, we love it. We're, we're, we're uh, social media guys. We're <laughs> everywhere. Uh, so uh, now that we're done with the news, we're going to talk about our game of the week. Our game of the week this week is uh, Sensible Software's Cannon Fodder. So Aaron's got some information about uh, the, the, uh, the details. Well, Cannon Fodder was released in 93, like Boat said, by Sensible Soccer. Or Sensible Software that they shows you what they're known for, right? Um, it was distri- it was distributed by Virgin Interactive. Uh, Virgin Interactive was a or was I don't know if they're still around. If, if Virgin Interactive still exists, but at the time they were obviously a subsidiary Virgin. Uh, the Amiga stuff that they they released of any consequence, I looked over the list. Beneath a Steel Sky, obviously a legendary mm-hmm. game. Uh, the, all the, the cannon fodders. Uh, they, they released the Mortal Kombat for the uh, for the uh, or distributed Mortal Kombat for the Amiga. Really? Oh yeah, that's interesting. It is quite a. It, it's interesting. <laughs> all right. Uh, hope you like swapping and one button Mortal Kombat. Uh, Sensible Golf. That was they they did they distributed that in a game called Overlord, which I actually own Overlord. Oh, cool. Believe it or not. Um, of course, developed by Sensible Software. They were known, of course, Sensible Soccer. Uh, sensible golf, megalomania, uh, some stuff I didn't realize. And of course, the the cannon fodder series. They also did uh, the shoot 'em up construction set, which I don't know if you remember that. No, that was a, I think that was a C sixty four game. Oh, actually, you know, now that I think about it, I think I did read about that in Retro Gamer. They did a feature on all the different kind of game creators that came out on the eight bit systems. Yeah, you know, you had uh, shoot 'em up construction set, you had pinball construction set, you had. Um, um, Gary Kitchen's, uh, what was it, Adventure Maker? I think it's what it was called. Yeah, a couple of there's one called the Quill or something like that. Yeah, it so was a text adventure. Always, creator. you know, whenever I got these, you know, mix it yourself type deals, it's very exciting. And then after I tried to make one, and it it was hard. <laughs> I always gave up. <laughs> it reminds you that making games is hard. Yes, and, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Sensible Software is kind of an interesting group. Uh, looking over what they did, uh, they were uh, they formed in 1986, and it was two uh, school buddies, John Hare and Chris Yates. Now, uh, if you look down the credits of Cannon Fodder, John Hare is listed as one as one of the musicians. He also performed the the title track to this. Uh, if you've if uh, very catchy tune. Oh yeah. At yeah. the beginning of it, uh, but to him, this other fella, and eventually they were in '88. They were joined by a guy named uh, Martin Galway. He only stu- stood around for a couple years before he left for Origin. 
they did a lot of good games. They had a lot of hits. Uh, they were very popular. They were sort of known for their little tiny men mm-hmm. <laughs> on yeah. the screen. That's right. I thought, I, <coughs> excuse me. I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, I read that this game, Cannon Fodder, was on was based on the Sensible Soccer Engine. That's it's. I mean, if you look at the, I mean, they both have little tiny guys. So. Right, right. Um, Sensible Software was around for a good while. They they developed a lot of stuff that people know. Like I said, they did Sensible Soccer, Sensible Golf, Megalomania, which has another game. I'd heard, much like this one, I heard about this game, but I never actually played it. Uh, they had a string of hits. They did they did their own conversions, as far as I could tell, to uh, Genesis. And I mean, Cannon Fodder was released on a lot of different systems. It had a, it, and one thing I like about it, it had a 3DO release and a Jaguar release. Now that is unusual. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to see. So it was out. It was right now at wheelhouse. It had a CD32 release. You know, DOS, all the stuff you'd expect. I guess mm-hmm. it had a Super Nintendo release. It had a Genesis release. Really? I didn't. I wasn't aware of the Super Nintendo version. I wonder um, if that only came out in the UK. Let me see exactly. I'll get. I've got a full list here of what got released. It was really wacky. I mean, I couldn't believe the amount of things. Here, here we go. Okay, Amiga, Amiga CD32, the Atari ST, DOS, the Archimedes. <laughs> there again. it is again. <laughs> uh, Atari, Jaguar, the Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and the Game Boy Color. All right. All right. This would be a great portable game, I think. Yeah. I, I, Aside I, from the extremely small characters <laughs> on an extremely small screen. That's true. Well, something <laughs> could be done. Yeah. yeah. But uh, 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 the uh, the guys, they were the aces of 16-bit games. They, they Unfortunately... 16-bit games went away at some mm-hmm. point. Eventually, they were picked up by, I think it was Codemasters that picked them up finally. And uh, they no longer exist as they were. They did try to release a Sensible Soccer comeback uh, on the PlayStation in 3D. I think that was, and it pretty much was a no no dice. I think we even mentioned that briefly when we talked about soccer games. Right. Uh, so, but these guys on the Amiga, they were, they were hitting home runs left and right. And... Uh, this was a good offering, uh, Bo. What did you? What did you? Uh, what were your first impressions when you fired this thing up? Since now you have you had or had not played this? Well, before? I this is one of the the, the few games that uh, that I had played uh, before. Really, uh, I had this on my very first PC, which was an old Pentium One, um, and uh, it was a special version that well, it must have been a later version uh, because it actually had a rendered like rendered cutscene intro uh-huh. that had very early 3D rendering. It was really funny actually. Um the uh I still remember uh it was uh probably 1996 or 1997 when I got it and um and I I played it on on there. Um it played pretty much like I remembered it, you know, uh they uh when I first started thinking about this game I was like, well, you know, it's it it's from what I remember, it's kind of like you know StarCraft or something like that. But the direct control you have over the shooting aspect of it really makes it stand apart from a lot of other real-time strategy games. Yes, the you know what it reminded me of. Now keep in mind, I've, I've never played it. This was literally the first time I've played it. It was it, so part of it in some ways. The control reminded me of like a Diablo mm-hmm. type deal. Right. It's funny. I don't like Diablo for that controls, but in this game, it worked for me. The control scheme worked. And, and in parts of it around, I mean, this is going to sound like a ludicrous comparison, but the fact that you can move, you could have your guys run in one way or another while you were shooting, it was sort of like a Robotron-y type feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have your guys shoot wherever you wanted 
while they were moving in the opposite direction, you could have a nice retreat as you were mm-hmm. running off. It and made a big you know, difference. The, the, the bullets move slow <laughs> enough that you can get out of the way. I mean, they move so ridiculously slow, you know, that it's it's almost comical. But uh, they, you've got to do that, or otherwise you wouldn't have really much of a game. Because um, you could just kind of point and click at whatever enemies. that, and, I, and that's one of the things. I guess, you know, the Diablo comparison is apt. Uh, that's probably, it was a direct, you know, D, games like Diablo are a direct descendant of Cannon Fodder. Yeah, I mean, really, you could, you could, see, you could see it. Um, and one thing you've got to give these guys credit on, now I'm not going to lie to you, um, I always thought this was sort of a strategy game or RTS and like that, which it's not really, it's not, right? It's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but uh, uh, the control scheme is quite brilliant. Uh, it's a mouse with two buttons. Mm-hmm. That's it, pretty much. I mean, that's what you can hit pause. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much it. The fact that you can, um, you know, when I first, of course, I jumped into it, no instructions, and I just dropped it, throw it. And uh, it's it, it's easy to start, you know. I thought the difficulty ramped up pretty well. Now, I got to a point where I was just getting stymied, uh, but for a new person who had just started playing it, I felt like I was progressing at a good pace, you know. And the fact that you can use the buttons to fight, to do all the weapon stuff, uh, presumably the vehicle stuff, uh, I, which I didn't get that far, uh, but uh, it, it works. The, and it's precise and perfect for the Amiga or your Atari ST or your DOS. You were talking about having this for Windows uh, um, or for your PC. I, I actually read a review of this from 94, and it was out, I, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about having it played on a Pentium because the fellow that reviewed it said... That it ran okay on his on his 386 SX, he's like, but it's the, but it stuttered a little bit, and but when he played it on his 486 66, it ran like a dream. So <laughs> that puts it into perspective of what was what PC users were using, mm-hmm. and on the Amiga, of course, it's silky smooth. You don't have any problems. Yeah, like that. yeah, and this was this was a, I remember it being a CD-ROM game, and so it was kind of. Uh, a prerequisite that if you put out a new CD-ROM version of a game, you had to have some sort of full motion video over a rendered thing, you know, at the beginning. To, right, right. To justify the expense of uh, buying it on that medium. Um, so there's 23 missions in this game, um, and uh, they're divided into 72 levels. Uh, you're going through the jungle, snow, and the desert. Uh, you've got vehicles. Uh, you've got, um, you can go through rivers quicksand yes. uh there's that tra- was quite a start when i first jumped into that <laughs> there's traps that you've got yes, to avoid that was quite a start when i first stumbled into you've one also of got to avoid blowing yourself up which happened to me often <laughs> yes especially in moments of panic right <laughs> i would i would point blank throw a grenade for example that was another one of my favorite tactics but yes or blow up an ammo pack mm-hmm. uh, yeah that was bad and and that's really where the strategy part of the, of the game lies <laughs> is you know, you want to pers- you want to position your troops in an area where you can shoot at the enemy, or you can accomplish your objective without you know firing errant shots into explosive things. And so, which uh, and I will, the way they've got the the uh, map set up is actually quite clever. The, the, I mean, the game scrolls. There's there are definite borders to where the screen stops scrolling. But pretty much, you are you can go anywhere you want within those borders. Mm-hmm. You know that you know it's that if it's a traversable piece of terrain, like I said, the quicksand. I, I like that. Those are the little touches that add you know the little nuances that make it interesting. The fact that like uh, under the first level where you ha- have a tripwire, the uh, bad guys have cunningly put it 
on the inside track or on quicksand. You know, and that's you know that's very clever. Of course, I went right into it and blew up. <laughs> you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me. The uh, I did a little looking on this thing. Uh, production of this game actually began in early '91, so they started this thing several years before it came out, and then uh, uh, they got hung up on the on the Genesis conversion of it. That that that's what delayed it a little bit. Um, it had been part of a four-deal game with uh, with another publisher, which got liquidated after the fellow that owned it died. <laughs> Unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But these guys were so confident in what they were doing, they just went ahead and finished it without a publisher, basically. And then, sure enough, Virgin rolled in, and uh, they thought it was a would be a surefire hit. They were right, of course. And uh, Virgin did this one for them. So... It was a, a, a game that they were converting pretty much, it looks like, right out of the gate. Uh, so I guess when they built this from the ground up, they knew what they were doing. Now, I have not played any console versions of this. It seems like that would be kind of a trial without a mouse. Yeah, I wonder if they um, you know, if they converted it into more of a dual joystick or Robotron type, type thing where the D-pad <laughs> move your guys and you fire using the, uh, the arrow or the, you know, the, the buttons on the other side of the controller. Um, it might be cool to check that out on an emulator just to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, the uh, the release of this game was met with uh, some degree of controversy. Uh, the game was designed as kind of a uh, kind of a, a somber, actually, reflection on war. Uh, there are some things that happen in this game that happen in very few war games. For example, uh, each of your players is named. Each of your men are named. And when they die, you see their gravestones appear on a hill as more and more troops line up to go and fight for you. Which is an awesome, awesome touch, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so the the designers of the game wanted to make a fun game, but they also wanted to make a game in which, you know, you realize that in war, you know, people actually do die. Now, once you start playing the game and you're having fun, I didn't find myself being too <laughs> reflective about it because, after all, it is, you know... It's a very abstract representation of that stuff. But it was good that they, you know, they were trying to make people think about that. Um, one of the uh, one of the most controversial things about the game was the use of the poppy as the logo. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, they, I guess there's a special British agency, and this is where my research becomes a little bit less secure, that uh, kind of controls the use of the poppy uh, because of its, you know, its role in Remembrance Day. And uh, they, they were against the game, but it, it, from the way that the developers talked about it is that the develop, uh, those people had not played the game. They... Uh, you know, it's the same old story that you always hear where people react to something in a negative way not knowing enough about it. Um, however, that said, the uh, the game reviewed incredibly. Uh, you know, it got very high marks in, um, in most of the magazines. It was declared Game of the Year. CU Amiga wrote, Cannon fodder is the best thing since gunpowder. It's bloody brilliant. It's better than sex. <laughs> I don't know if I would go quite that far, but they really liked the game. Um, the uh, the theme tune, the theme song, probably the I can't think of a theme song that's better. You know, on a, on a you know, as far as you know, you start up a game and you hear this tune. You know, I, I it's very I really appropriate. Like it. Yeah, it's very sure. appropriate. It reminded me of Madness or you know one of those you know eighties uh, uh, reggae British groups. Um, 
Uh, let's see. What else do I have here? Um, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, actually, they rated uh, the theme tune is the best ever in a video game. And uh, Amiga Format said that the sales figures uh, topped over 100,000, and that was probably not including you know, the rest of the, the other ports. Yeah. So, the, you know, touching back on the controversy, uh, you know, this game, <laughs> it was, it's a kind of a bloody game. It's, I mean, you could shoot a guy and they don't die. They just lay there and bleed and scream. Mm-hmm. Their bodies float down the river, uh, stuff like that. In fact, I was, I was flipping through the owner's manual and it said like, you know, do these guys a favor and put them out of their misery. You know, it's, it's all tongue in cheek, but, uh, I really thought that tacking on there's because when after you after you complete um, their missions are broken up into phases, and after you can put a mission there's a, there's the poppies come up and there's a remembrance screen and it lists the casualties, and then it shows a a couple rolling hills and there's with all these cemetery graves that where everybody's been killed, mm-hmm. and you know I was I was playing this with uh, my buddy and I showed him this and it was what an odd thing to do. But it, I think in their own way, that does work. I mean, really. And I, especially the, the contrast of having the rolling hills with the gravestones and then your line of recruits lining up to be the next to be shot, you know, right next to it, yeah. right next to where that, that is. Because you have a, you have a never, well, it does end, but it's a line of recruits that come down through the hills and stand in line waiting for their turn to go out and get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is, it's, it's somehow, it somehow works, yeah. you know. You know, we were just, uh, I'm sure by now this is old news, but uh, Lemmy from Motorhead passed away, I think it was yesterday. And Meadowlark Lemon. Yeah, and Meadowlark Lemon. But we were. I was telling my buddy about uh, the Motorhead album 1916, which I don't know if you've ever heard. And it's got a song on it that's, that talks about these guys uh, signing up to go into World War One, right? And it's a very somber song for Motorhead. It's just Lemmy singing. There's very little instrumentation. And war, it was such a senseless war. You know, and the way people would just got killed in these trenches. It was just and, and that song and, and that theme kept running through my head while I was playing it. So maybe I was in a more yeah. somber mood. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, to but it, I I can understand how people could look at this and think it was controversial or pro war. But really, I thought they did more than enough to make it to ground you. Oh yeah, and there's know? there's nothing you know you. When you play this game, people die. You know, you're not playing. It's not like Call of Duty where you're the invincible hero. You know, that can run right through it and kill. I mean, you're you're an overlord that's controlling these this cannon fodder. You yeah. know, and people are going to get mowed down, and it's one hit kills. Yeah, you know? it reminded me of, uh, if you've ever seen Black Adder season four, the World War One season, where it's like uh, Colonel Melchick wants to move his drinks table uh, twenty feet closer to Germany, and so he sends out the boys because this. I mean, and these missions. You'd go do them. He had no idea what they were for. I mean, really, it's like blow everyone away, blow up their blow up their houses. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, go blow up these jungle villages. Well, okay, you don't you don't know why you're doing it. That's true. That's that's yeah. war for yeah. the most part. But uh, overall, uh, boy, I, I got to tell you, I was blown away with this one. Uh, this is one of the most fun games I've played for a long time. I couldn't stop playing it. Uh, it's challenging. It's there's a certain lemmingsy type. I mean, mm-hmm. the gameplay is totally different, but just once you mount try one more level, one more. I got to mm-hmm. get past this one level. It's clever, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And like I said, the re- the remembrance part was I thought it was amusing. It, Wings does something similar when, when your pilots get killed. You know, you you know who's been killed. They get crossed off the board, and it makes you think, oh man, I just lost so and so. So they tried to put a little bit of that in there without gumming it up. On the flip side, if you watch the opening credits, and it shows all the. Uh, 
people that worked on the game in uniforms. They all look. Someone, Looks like Hogan's uh, heroes. There's an Elvis. Like there's a Sergeant yeah. Bilko. <laughs> you know, something else I, I found out uh, through looking around. They actually made a music video for the song. Really? Yeah. They spent 500 quid on it, <laughs> or 500 pounds. Yeah, 500 pounds, and it was. They shot it in a day. I don't know if it's available anywhere. I didn't get a chance to look, but that might be entertaining. It's all these guys in their uniforms acting like idiots. Yeah, if I, if I find that, I'll throw that up on the on the blog. Uh, but uh, the song was well received. Uh, it I, I read in one place they had talked about this song charting somewhere. Really? Now I can't <laughs> confirm it. I know that the uh, there's a fleshed out there's a fleshed out version of the song that's longer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's got more. Cause I mean, obviously in this one, it's just basically the same thing over and over. Then they kind of mix it up. <clears throat> um, but uh, if anyone knows that, drop us a line. If anyone has the album, that would be great. If that exists, if there's a single something floating around somewhere, oh, I'm, that you sure could, there, I'm sure there is. That, that you could download. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, overall, I really enjoyed the game. I'm looking forward to getting to the later levels. I watched some video and saw uh, helicopters and, and, and tanks. And, and, you know, I had just I just got finished with the bazookas, and, and that's pretty much where I couldn't get past. So mm-hmm. it's a work in progress. But I, I give it two enthusiastic thumbs up. Yeah, the only thing that could make this game better is if they included a split-screen uh, two-player mode. Do, do you know if... The, now, I've obviously not played the sequels. I didn't look at the sequels. Uh, do you know if they ever impl- included a two-player? I would be surprised if they didn't, at least one of the incarnations. I didn't look either. I just played the main game. But uh, that, you know, if they if they would have had that... It would have been it would have been almost perfect. So well, tune in sometime in the near future. Maybe we'll have a go at Can- at uh, Cannon Fighter Two. Yeah, which absolutely. by the way, I did my usual eBay lookup on this. Uh, the uh, this is a pretty common game, and so I thought, well, they sold so many of these, this should be a pretty easy one to to get hold of. But it was uh, uh, it wasn't. I you know, I've I've seen pictures of a, of a copy of this with the poppy on the front, just like the logo that comes up. I couldn't find any for sale. The only ones I saw were the camouflaged box, mm-hmm. you know, with the kind of yellow, kind of it's wackier looking. Mm-hmm. Um, the discs for this you can get all day long, <clears throat> just the discs. Uh, you're looking about 10 bucks or under, American. The big box, you're looking 15 to 20 bucks, American, uh, for that one. And, it <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I will say I found a lot more uh, can of fodder twos than I did can of fodder ones, so uh, I don't know what that means. Maybe they're maybe they're rare. I don't know, but at least in the past couple months on eBay, we haven't seen too many of them come up. So, well, uh, I guess that's that's about all I've got. Do you have anything else you'd like? to Do you remember how far you got? Not very far. <laughs> um, I think I might have made it to mission four. Uh huh. <clears throat> I got to mission five. Uh, phase two. Okay. And phase one hurt me. <laughs> really, I mean, I, I was through, it took me a while at the beginning to understand how to work, how to obtain the grenades, and then uh, how to use them wasn't so hard because mm-hmm. I blew myself up. But, uh, the, the, man, there's a, the, they're on, on, on mission five, phase one, there are these guys at the end with these rocket launchers, and they're cunningly placed. And these things come at you, and you have to dodge them quick. Mm-hmm. That threw me. It took me a little while to get past that one, but I, find I managed to do that today and, and get to the second phase. So I'm looking forward to tackling the second phase and moving on to the cooler stuff because I know there's a lot of other weapons and stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. Cool. We'll definitely give it a shot here on the live stream 
uh, coming up next. So uh, uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors before we go. Um, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage and Brent Dowdy. Uh, as always, if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can uh, look us up at patreon.com slash amigos podcast. Um, we are using some of our Patreon money. I hope that our sound quality is better this week. We have a uh, new blue snowball mic with some pop filters. So uh, it's very snazzy. Yeah, hopefully our sound quality is a little bit better and we're just going to try and improve things as best as we can. Um, we're loud. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's passion boat. That's right. All right, Aaron, what are we going to play next week? Blood money. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so uh, tune in for that next week. Uh, watch all of our videos that we're going to put up. We've got a lot of them. And, and a whole lot more coming. Yeah. And so until then, adios. adios.